we've been we've been in this series majoring in the minors and, and talking about um, people who are who are minor in understanding but major in the, in the impact of of faith and major in the impact of of the understand having the understanding of who God is in our world. And the, this morning, I want to I want to take just a few moments. I want to challenge you on the idea of a well lived life. Okay, I, I, quick question: How many of you here? are over the age of 85? Raise your hand. Okay, so there's a couple of you. All right, so for those of you that are, for those of you that are over the age of 85, you might be able to say, well, you know what? I've put in my time. Those of you under the age of 85, let me share a little something with you. I want to talk to you about Caleb this morning. Caleb, when we talk about Caleb, typically the imagery that appears in our mind, and and part of that is because what Christian media has presented to us, we usually picture Caleb as a young man, right? When you think about Caleb, you think about this young spy going to the promised land. Do you understand that Caleb was 40 when he went into the promised land? 40, okay? Now, I know that if you're 85, that 40 seems, seems young, Okay? But, uh, but 40 is not, um, is not necessarily a little whippersnapper, is it? Okay. But let's fast forward another 45 years. That's, that's where we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 14. And it says this in Joshua 14, starting in verse 6. It says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I want you to say that word with me. Ready? One, two, three. Wholeheartedly. Come on, I want you to say it wholeheartedly. Ready? One, two, three. Wholeheartedly. Caleb said, listen, the other spies, they caused the people's heart to melt with fear. But I was following God wholeheartedly. There's something that happens when we give God all of our heart, when we follow him wholeheartedly. You see, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that much of Christendom today is filled with people who have a love for God. But God is not our first love. That we have a a love for God, but we don't love God wholeheartedly. And I would wonder what, what the scenario in your world would look like what your family would look like, what your neighborhood would look like, what your workplace would look like, what your church would look like, what your city would look like, what your world would look like if you and I individually and collectively embraced God wholeheartedly. In fact, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced in the time that we have here this morning that God is going to wonderfully speak to you about the areas of your life that you have distanced God from. 
that you've allowed him to be the center of areas of your life, but there are some places that are off limits to God. Or, or, or even if they're not off limits to God, God is secondary in your relationships, in your career, in your habits. How about this? How, how about we mention this? Because people say it's all the church ever talks about anyway. How about in your finances? See, it's this issue of being wholehearted. And, and, and it's that wholehearted disposition that, that friends, it, it allows Joshua to respond in this way. Listen to what he says. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am, 85 years old. Okay, in my Bible, it says, so here I am, 85 years old, exclamation point. That's something to declare. But I love what he says. He says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. And, and this, is, this is the part I love. I'm just as vigorous today. I love that word. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. See, the giants were still in the land. They were still there. Not only were they still there, they've had 45 years to grow and develop. And the courage that Joshua had at 40 years of age, the enthusiasm that Joshua had at 40 years of age, the faith that Joshua had at 40 years of age, he was, let's get after it. Let's get after it. I'm 85 years old, but I'm just as strong. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but he believed it, right? When, when, when Caleb looked at himself in the mirror, he didn't see an 85-year-old dude. I'm just as vigorous. Let's get after it. This is... This is the key, friend, to a life that's well-lived. It's the key to a life that's blessed. It's a key to a life that is effective. And, and, and if you look at, the, you look at this issue with, with Caleb and you look at the story of the life of Caleb, it is a brilliant example of how we should position ourselves, the disposition that we should have, the attitude with, with which we should look at this. Life. Are engaging with the world around us. A couple things real quickly from, from the life of Caleb and, and God's example to us that, that we can live a life well. First is this. I want to challenge you to reject bitterness, right? Caleb says in Joshua 14, 7, he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Let's talk about why Caleb could be bitter. He's 40 years of age when he goes as one of the 12 spies. Do you know what that means? That means he spent 40 years in slavery. Let's talk about all that he has seen. Let's talk about all that he has witnessed. He's witnessed for 40 years the mistreatment of his people. 
He's witnessed for, for 40 years the Egyptians taking advantage of the, of, of, of the women in his clan. Heard them ridicule the children. Experienced the unending oppression. He's lived this squalorly life. He's eked out a meager existence, living a life in slavery. It would have been very easy to become bitter. It would have been very easy to be one of those voices who said this, who said, you know what? God, really, you, we live our entire life in bondage in Egypt only to bring us out into the wilderness and us have nothing? But we don't see that. We don't see that in the life of Caleb. We, we don't see him bitter over his life in Egypt. We also, we don't see him in Joshua 14. We don't see him bitter over the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't camp on that issue, right? His purpose in coming to Joshua is not to complain. His purpose in coming to Joshua is once again say, listen, I recognize there's opportunity before us. Let's get after it. He doesn't, he doesn't say in Joshua 14, if only they had listened to me. 40 years, 40 plus years, 45 years. What's he seen? You know, there are 600,000 men who left Egypt along with their spouses and their children. They tell us that it could have been upwards of 2 million people. And in that 2 million people that are wandering in the wilderness, an entire generation, everyone over the age of 40, passed away in the wilderness. Caleb witnessed all that. Caleb could have been witness to well over a million funerals knowing that these people were not supposed to die in the wilderness. They were supposed to experience the promised land. Caleb doesn't become bitter. Along the way, it wasn't just people. He lost his spouse. He lost his wife. First Chronicles tells us that Caleb's first wife, Azuba, died. Then even going into the promised land, the conquest and the promised land, yet the years of difficulty and hardship. Caleb has every reason to be frustrated, to be angry, to be bitter. And you know what I recognize? I recognize that today that you might be here and you have valid reason to be bitter. Someone has wronged you. A promise that was made to you has been unkept. You've been taken advantage of. You knew the right way and, and, and people wouldn't listen to you. And so you've experienced pain that was not pain because of your own decisions, but it was because of others' indecision, even though you challenged them to go the right road. There's a myriad of reasons why you could have in your mind, legitimate reason to be frustrated, disappointed, yes, bitter. And yet, the counsel of God's word resounds when it says that we cannot let even a root of bitterness 
even a root of bitterness spring up and defile many. Now, now let, let, let me say this. Oftentimes people will say, I'm not bitter. Bitterness, let me say this, bitterness masks itself. It disguises itself in a number of different ways. Okay, let, let, let me give you another expression of bitterness, if only. You know, if, if only we would have, if only they would have, if only I would have. See, what looks like regret is oftentimes in our life, it's bitterness. If only. If only. If only I hadn't sold that Apple stock when it was $7 a share. If only. <laughs> right? If only. Yeah, you know, if... if, if if only I hadn't teased that dog. Hmm, if only. If only I had stayed in school. If only I hadn't gone to that party. If only I hadn't drank that one more drink. If only. It's real easy. It's real easy to get bound in regret and bitterness. That's not where Caleb lived. He, 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 he pushed back against bitterness. And here's the reason why. Because Caleb believed in God's promises. See, Caleb, I'm convinced of this, that Caleb knew the promises of God. And yes, even though he was a slave in Egypt, he knew this, that God's promise was that after 400 years that his children would walk free. Caleb understood the promises. He knew the promises. They were talked about night after night as the children of Israel, after a long day of toil, building whatever the Egyptians fancied to build. They would sit and they would talk about this idea of deliverance and, and they would sit and they would discuss the promises of God. I'm convinced that on some level, Caleb did the math. And when Moses said, it's time to go, Caleb said, finally, I knew it was time. When they, when, when they made their way from Egypt to the Red Sea into the wilderness, Caleb was, let's get after it. Why? Because the promises of God say, this is our time and it's time. He believed in the promises of God. Right? He believed in the promises of God. And for Caleb... It's a pivotal moment. He believes in the unshakable confidence. That's why he was so strong. And even, even his, his reaction to the report of the 10 negative spies, listen to this. It says this in Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 6. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Junipha, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored, it is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Caleb's actions demonstrate his passion and belief and an almighty God. God's promises are true for you, friend. 
That over 7,000 promises in the word of God, he keeps every one of them. Trust him. Trust him. By the way, if you want to know what areas in your life are areas that you're not trusting God, let me help you. Let's talk about where the stress areas are in your life. Let's talk about where the anxiety areas are in your life. Is it in the area of relationship? Chances are that God is not first place in your relationships. Is your major stress area your career? Chances are that God is not first place in your career. Is it in your family? Chances are you've not made him truly the priest of your home. And, the, and, and, and you are attempting to live as the king of your castle instead of allowing God to be the king of your castle. Is it in the stuff that you have? Is it in the resources that you have? It's a pretty good chance that that's an area that you have not surrendered to God. And here's, here's where Caleb's at. Are you ready? Here's where Caleb's at. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. He lives. He lives it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I love that scripture, and I love the fact that it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He will make your path straight. Caleb says in Joshua 14, 10, he says, Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised. He says, God keeps his promises. He's kept me alive and well, and God promised me. Through the words of Moses, God promised me that land. That's my land. Joshua, I've come to claim that which is mine because of a promise. Don't be afraid to claim the promises of God. Don't be afraid to stand on the promises of God. Don't be afraid to live out the promises of God. Believe in God's promises. It's a belief in God's promises that will keep you from living in bitterness. Some of you, the people around you, would be shocked that you're a Christian. Because when they look at the expressions on your face, they think, that man constantly wears clothes that are way too tight. Right? Listen to the words of Caleb in, in, in Joshua 14, 12. I'm asking you to give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. I have to reject bitterness, and I've got to believe in God's promises, refusing to give up. See here today, he said, I'm 85 years old. I'm 85 years old. It would have been really easy, right, at 80, for Caleb to go, it seemed like a good idea. It seemed like a good idea. Well, 
you know what? Maybe, maybe this. Hmm. Maybe the promise wasn't for me. Maybe the promise was for my family line. So maybe it's not me that's supposed to, to, to take that land. Maybe it's my children that are supposed to take that land. Or maybe it's my grandchildren that are supposed to take that land. Have you ever noticed that when God speaks promises over us, sometimes we try to help out God by rationalizing? Oh, no, it's me. I'm the only one. That's not what God really meant, right? When, when God said that, he was, he was, it was really, it was, a, it, was, it was a figure of speech, right? When, when, the, when the word of God says, and my God shall supply all of your needs, he didn't really mean that. You know, he meant, he, he meant that, 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 you know what, if you, if you do your best, that, that he'll come in and he'll help you. Because after all, the, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves, right? It doesn't, by the way, it doesn't say that. That's an old wives' tale, right? Jesus said, blessed are those who realize that without, without God, they are completely done. Poor. Poor. He stands on his promises. I'm asking to give me the hill country the Lord promised me. See, I am here. I'm 85 years old today. I'm still ready to get after it. And if we can honestly push back against the bitterness and regret, right? Because we believe in God's promises, saying, you know what, we are not going to give up. We're going to keep after it. We're going to keep after it. We're going to keep after it until we see it come through, that we're going to keep after it. That positions us, listen, that positions us to ask for and to see something big. I love what, what Kay Lassery says. So give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. That seems kind of crazy to me. Give me this mountain. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have seemed more natural for Caleb to say, listen, Joshua, you and me, dude, come on. 45 years we've been dealing with this mess. And Joshua, I think it's cool that you're in charge now. By the way, when Moses passed away and you became the number one, I had no issue with it because I knew that you, know, that you were the guy. So totally cool. And, and by the way, Joshua, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Okay? But bro, remember, okay, spies, 12 of, us, 12 of us, you and me knew that we were supposed to come and take this land. The other 10, uh, not so much. All right? Now, I want you to remember what families they were from, right? And you're dividing up the land to, to these different families. Look, who should get the best land, right? Should it be those whiners and complainers? Those doubters who cause an entire generation to die in the wilderness? Look, Joshua, I, I believe this. Not just me, you too, okay? Because you, you were one of the two that said, let's get after it. But don't you think we deserve the best? Don't you think we deserve the best? So give me, give me the valley. Give me the easy. Give me the simple. No. 
That's not where Caleb lives. Caleb is, look, there are giants up there. There are giants living in those hills. There are giants on that mountain. Somebody's got to deal with it. Somebody's got to remove them. God told us that he would give us victory 45 years ago. I believe that God will still give us victory today. I may be 85 years old, but I'm just as vigorous. Oh, I love that word. Somebody's got to deal with the giants. Let me go deal with the giants. He asks big. He asks big. And I, I, love what, I love what it says there in Joshua 14. It says, so Joshua granted him his request and that that land is the land of Caleb and his descendants to this very day. Caleb leaves this incredible legacy. He leaves this incredible legacy. And, and, and we see this not just in the fact that it tells us that that land remained his, but also even in, in, in going into those next few verses, there's the story of, of Caleb's daughter. Okay? Caleb's daughter, Aksa. I almost preached on her on Mother's Day. right? Instead, I preached on Priscilla. I almost preached on Axel on Mother's Day, and I was going to preach a message entitled The Power of a Pushy Woman, but I thought I'd get in trouble, so I didn't do it. <laughs> right? So there's a portion of the land that, that is given to Caleb, and he says, whoever will go up and, and, and conquer that land, that I will give them the hand of my daughter in marriage. So Caleb's nephew, don't judge, Caleb's nephew, Othniel, goes and he conquers this, this city, this, this area. So Caleb gives Othniel, his daughter, Axa's hand in marriage. And, and then uh, Axa says to Othniel, look, you need to go ask my, my father for some land. And so he does. Uh, sir, um, uh, your daughter asked me to come and uh, say, uh, we, we, we think that you should give us some of the, some of the land you have. <laughs> and Caleb goes, really? Hmm. Okay, you know what? You can have this over here. Scrub brush. <laughs> Area down along, along the negative. Uh, wilderness stuff. Uh, not stuff that would be real desire, d- desirable. And so Othniel goes back to Axa and she goes, you, did you go talk to my father? Has anybody had this conversation with your spouse? Yeah. Did you go talk to my father? Yes. And what did he say? Uh, well, he gave us, he gave us some land. Uh, what did he give us? Well, he just, he just gave us some land. No, seriously. What did he get? Just Othniel, what did he give us? Uh, he gave us land along the Negev. Really? That's, that's like the worst of his land. There's no water there. Did you even ask for a spring to where we could get some water? Well, you didn't tell me to ask for a spring. You just told me to ask for land. So here's what Axa does. She gets on her donkey. She rides out to her father and she goes, hey, what's the deal with giving my husband land and no water? Come on, dad. And it says that, it says that Caleb gave her both the upper and the lower spring. We see in his children this same, let's get after it. Let's conquer the land. Let's Let's make an impact. 
And, and listen to me, okay? I want to speak to everybody, but I want to speak just a moment to the senior saints. There's a generation here that needs to know that they can claim the land. There's a generation here that needs to know that they can stand on the promises. And as they see you, as they see you not giving in to that temptation to go, you know what? I've put in my time, I've done it, okay? We've, we, we, we've done the knocking on doors, inviting people to church. I've, I've taught the vacation Bible school. I, I've driven the church bus. I've, I've, I've put up more Royal Ranger tents than I care to imagine. I've, I've put in my time. It's time for somebody else. Listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Here's the disposition that God wants you to have. I'm 85 years old, and I'm still as strong as I was then, and I'm still as vigorous. Listen, God's got all of my heart. He had all my heart at age 40. He's going to have all my heart at age 85. Let's get after it. Because generation upon generation upon generation have to know this and have to understand it. Now, today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that the church celebrates the outpouring of the power of God. Now, the history of the church that you're in right now, this church has seen some amazing moves of God. But that was yesterday. That was yesterday. God wants to do something new today. God wants to move in a profound, powerful way today. How does that happen? And let me tell you how it happens. It happens as we reject bitterness and regret. And instead, what we do is we embrace, we believe in, we accept, we live under God's promises knowing that he's going to come through. And we say, you know what, God? We're believing you for something big. Something big. Something big. What is it in your life? What is that promise that was spoken over you some time ago that that you've pushed into the background. What is that, that heart tug that you felt at an altar years ago that's, that's been dormant for decades? What's that prophecy that you, that you heard spoken and it so resonated that you knew it was absolutely from God. And now years later you go, was it really? Wholeheartedly. That's the answer. We say it again, wholeheartedly. That's the key wholeheartedly. Because see, God hasn't changed. He hasn't, he hasn't moved. He hasn't retired. 
He's the same God with the same glory, same plan, same principles. It's it's we who have retired. It's we who have changed. It's, it's, It's we who have moved. And if if we would let go of the bitterness and regret and instead grab hold of those promises, believe in God that he can do anything and we can do anything through him. That will fuel the boldness to ask for something big. And I'm convinced of this. That should the Lord tarry, that history books will talk about what God does in our midst. That will not happen if a church does not connect wholeheartedly. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.